Hello, and welcome back to Pastoral Parsha. I'm Michelle Friedman from Yeshivat Chovevei Torah Rabbinical School. And I'm Hody Nemes, a second-year student at Yeshivat Chovevei Torah. In each episode, we explore psychological insights gleaned from the Torah reading of the week. And in order to make that more vivid, we share a vignette that is gleaned from multiple sources. We create a composite story that illustrates the insight that we are talking about. Today, we're in the last portion of the book of Vayikra, Leviticus, and the Parsha is called Bechukotai, By My Laws, and we're talking about chapters 26 and 27 in the book of Vayikra. The theme that we're going to talk about today is about responsibility. Responsibility for what came before us. The vignette is as follows. Tomorrow, I will lead the funeral of a man who died today, who had an acerbic divorce and was estranged from his brother and both of his adult daughters. I just met with one daughter who is a member of my community, and in two hours of conversation, I couldn't prompt her to say a single nice thing about her father. So this father, who we're going to call Roger, not only was he apparently horrible at relationships, but he was unscrupulous financially. He was disliked in many ways, and he wasn't particularly attached to the Jewish community or any other community. The rabbi's plight is terrible. What can he say? Really what, rough. Yeah, what can the rabbi say about Roger in his eulogy, in his hespade? So far, none of Roger's family members want to speak or are willing to speak at the funeral. So it's really up to the rabbi to figure out what to say. That's a very tough job. Right, and it's going, to be, it's going to be a very small gathering because in terms of the funeral itself, it's going to be graveside. A rainstorm is predicted. Probably there's just going to be a couple of people, none of whom had a positive relationship with Roger. And if you try to swing this as a positive story, presumably they're going to be upset. So this poor rabbi is in a, a, a quite a pickle. Before we untangle that knot, let's take a look at the Parsha and some of the themes of this story present in our Parsha, Bechukotai. So we're rounding out the book of Vayikra with a description of the consequences of fulfilling or breaking the covenant. And really, curses and blessings are the, the theme of, uh, of Bechukotai. Um, God describes the terrifying consequences that come about by breaking the covenant, diseases, enemies killing you, your children being being taken from you, um, and the blessings, the potential blessings, living in security, having enough to eat. Commentators make much of the fact that these are material blessings and material curses. I think the, the spiritual, and perhaps even psychological blessings of following the covenant is supposed to be sort of obvious. Um, I want to hone in on one particular passage that sums up the the danger that the Jews, the Israelites, are facing. In chapter 26, verse 38 and 39, the following is written, You will perish among the nations, and your enemies' land will eat you up. And those of you who remain will rot for their crime in your enemies' lands, and also for their father's crimes. With them they will rot. And wow. that, that last sentence, whoo, it's basically saying that not only will God punish you for that which you did wrong, 
He's going to punish you also for what your parents and your ancestors did wrong, which I think feels very unfair to the modern ear. So how can we look at this psychologically? And of course, this, we're looking at it through the lens of this vignette, which is preparing for a funeral, for Roger's funeral, a man who nobody liked. So we're going to look at it kind of from two angles. One is past this prologue, kind of a basic law of psychological existence, meaning that in order to go forward, we've got to understand where we came from, from whom we came, what were their stories, what's the legacy. We've got to understand how do we become who we are, who made us this way. We have to understand ourselves. So thinking about this, these three words, past is prologue, are Roger's children feeling like they're destined to repeat their father's behavior? And if they're, they have a, a sense of, they, they're recoiling from that, and they're also feeling like they're recoiling from wanting to have any part in his burial. They're recoiling from their obligation to take care of him in this final way. So how do they relate to their own, their own past and, and how do they now operate going forward? Um, I'm reminded, Michelle, of the classic passage in the Talmud in the tractate Makot, which sort of encapsulates this tension between are we responsible for what our parents did and, and, and will it impact us for the rest of our lives? Or are we actually able to transcend that? Because the Torah suggests that we, we will be held accountable for the sins of our, of our ancestors. And the Talmud suggests that actually Ezekiel came and just nullified that part of the Torah, pretty radical statement, and said, no, a person will be only held accountable for their crimes. So what's it going to be for these children? So I think what applying that text is it would be a crime for these children to not bury their father. Wow. That they're not responsible for all of the painful or wrong or even criminal things that he did in his lifetime. But now they have this opportunity to do this one thing, this one final thing, and they need to do it. And let's say they're writing the eulogy, or as we discussed, the rabbi is trying to create his eulogy. Now, everyone, it would seem to me, deserves to have something nice said about themselves, maybe just one thing. So do they need to dig deep within, with inside themselves to find that one thing, one nice thing they can say about their father? Well, maybe it's too hard for them, and I've certainly known situations where it's too painful for um, family members to speak at a funeral. But that becomes the job of, let's say, the clergy person who is uh, leading it, or whoever the person is who's facilitating, to try to find something to say, even that these people are present, that, that, that the, the parent or whoever the deceased is did something that got these people to the graveside. And maybe the rabbi or the clergy person might say, we do these things because even for somebody as difficult as Roger, every person is born in the image of God, B'Tselem Elohim, and deserves basic respect and dignity when it comes to this very final moment. And also he brought other 
Salome Elohim, other images of God into the world. Exactly. Right? He had children. That's right. So, Michelle, how far could we, or should we, stretch the truth about this, this fellow? Should we try to inflate and exaggerate a little bit to make him sound better? I am not a fan of doing that. I know sometimes people feel it's the right thing to do, but I think that the truth is sensed by all. And in this kind of raw, uh, basic right, this is not a time, actually I don't think it's ever such a good time, to say things that are false. But I want to hone in on that a little more because you could go to the other extreme and really just tell the truth. Just stand up there and describe this person as a particularly poor example of human behavior and list his, his sins or his crimes, however you want to describe them. I was at a funeral once like that, and it was as though a bomb had gone off when the son got up and gave a eulogy describing his father in such a way. But there is power to doing that. There could be catharsis. What, what do you think? Well, a, a colleague of mine calls doing that having a party with your feelings, which um, I don't think is such a good thing, because maybe at the time of the party, it feels really good to let loose. But afterwards, there's a big mess to clean up. And there is, uh, there's, an after, there's, there's an aftermath. Sounds like that should be a, a private party, not a yeah, public Yeah, I, I think so. Event. Yeah. I am reminded of a popular science fiction author, uh, Orson Scott Carr, one of the best authors of science fiction alive today, who in one of his books comes up with the idea of a speaker for the dead, somebody that will tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth about the, uh, the deceased as a means of catharsis. And he describes this as a brilliant revolutionary idea that will sort of allow communities and families to move on. But it sounds like you're saying there's actually great danger in, in taking Well, you memory. see, the, the setting that you're describing, there's a culture, okay, it's science fiction, maybe that's why it is science fiction, <laughs> where people understand that this is going to happen. So they're sort of prepared. They know this is coming. You know, it's, it's part of the rights of the science fiction world. That's but that's right. not part of our world. Not part of the Jewish funeral. No. Not at all. Interesting. Right. So when we're talking about responsibility, and maybe in a situation like this, um, we have Jewish mourning practices help us with this responsibility and help us with dealing with some of the things that came before that may be painful, that might even be sinful. And certainly... Shiva and mourning practices, burial, okay, going back now. So Jewish mourning practices acknowledge the complexity that goes with death. Uh, death of beloved people, death of complicated people. Burial, Shiva, mourning, and going forward um, help the survivors deal with the deceased's life and also for the broken relationships that didn't happen. It helps people mourn for maybe what wasn't. Wow. So you're not just mourning for the deceased, but also for what, you, what you've lost or what Ex you wished you had had. Exactly. That the estranged family can think about the failed relationships and, and think about what could have been and what wasn't, and hopefully they can do better 
going forward themselves. And I know many mourners report that the mourning process, the cycle of rituals, is actually just very helpful, even for a difficult parent. And the eulogy is part of that. And it seems to me even a pro forma eulogy where you just give some dates and a brief description of the person's life, that fulfills your duty to give a eulogy. Um, and, and could provide some of that catharsis. That's right. It's an act of great generosity that helps the mourners as much as it does provide a dignified final right. So I want to pick up on generosity because I think that for the community and the family, they may be feeling that this person was so terrible that he or she does not deserve really their presence or their help in, in burying in, in the burial. and. I actually think this is a powerful opportunity for people to do an act of undeserved generosity. We call burial a chesed shel emet. It's one mitzvah that we do towards others that cannot be repaid by that person. And in doing so, you can model perhaps a another way, an act of generosity where you did not see one before. <laughs> 